0: Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Can bees live in your eyeballs? Can mannequins move on their own? And then we travel down into the earth as we explore the mysteries of bottomless pits today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. It's the 200th episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. We've almost been out this for a year. We started I, I think it was in uh, June, June of last year. We're almost at a full year. But we're definitely 200 episodes in. So that's kind of cool. It's kind of nice. I don't know what else, I don't know what else to say. I appreciate that you guys are coming back to the show, listening to it. Our download numbers are always going up. Now, the first news story I saw pop up quite a few days ago, and I thought, that's fake. That's absolutely fake. Recently, we're in Taiwan. There was this woman named He who goes to the graveyard to go visit her relatives. It's not like they were living there or anything. They were buried. And she went down there, and she wanted to tidy up their graves, so she began pulling weeds. And then she's like, ah, my eyeball. And goes home. She's like, damn ancestors should be protecting me. She goes home, and her eyeball keeps hurting and itching and stuff like that, and she can't figure out what it is, and so she goes to the eye doctor. I'm sure going to try to pronounce the word, but I'll just call him the eye doctor. And the eye doctor starts looking in there, and he says, not the woman, but the doctor, the pronoun as in he, as the doctor said, it looked like there was an insect leg in there, and when he began poking around, there was four sweat bees in her eyeball... Like, not like actually in the ball itself, but like around the eyeball on the inside, drinking her tears. And I'm like, that story's fake. The story's 100% fake. And then I saw it pop up the next day, and it was kind of the same thing. And I go, oh, fake news, running around. How would you not know there's. I could understand if there was one bee in your eyeball, maybe but four bees in your eyeball. And apparently sweat bees are really small, but I was still super... I was like, that's not true. And then finally another article came out today and they actually included video footage of a press conference where the young woman and the doctor gave a press conference with photographs of the bees in her eyeball. Now, I had seen photographs of bees on an eyeball in earlier things, and I think that's just like some mock-up. But apparently it's real... I mean, they held a full press conference, and these people are giving interviews. I don't understand what they're saying, but they kept cutting back to pictures of bees and eyeballs, and it was like this big news deal. I don't think of that. I do think it's real. How do you go about your day with four bees in your eyeballs? I always heard this urban legend, quote-unquote urban legend, it may be true, but I heard a long time ago, there was a young wife, a young hot blonde, a young beautiful hot blonde wife. Sitting there in her yoga pants and her tank top, her tight tank top, pressed against her body. Anyways, I don't know what she was wearing. The point is, that's what I hope she was wearing. She was mailing wedding invitations, and she was licking the envelopes, putting the letter... You guys know how you put a letter in, but anyway, she's licking the envelopes. She's licking the envelopes, and eventually she licks it, and she gets a paper cut on her tongue. Ow! If only there was a Jason here to kiss my tongue and make me feel better. But I wasn't there, and she just kind of went about her business. It's really hard to... to treat a tongue wound but then a couple days later maybe a couple weeks later i'm not exactly for sure of the time period i was just horrified at the story her tongue begins to throb and starts to like pulsate and she's swelling up she's not swelling up her tongue is swelling up if she was swelling up that would be a different story that would be a very very sexy story anyways eventually she goes to the dentist and the dentist is like you need to go to the doctor, because that is completely abnormal. Tongues shouldn't pulsate. They shouldn't undulate in your mouth. She then goes to the doctor, and the doctor's looking at it, and he's like, oh, yeah, this looks like maybe you have, like, a really bad infection. She, my wedding's in a week. I gotta help. Can you help me? Doctor's like, yeah, I can understand you, and I can help you. And he cuts her tongue open, and a bunch of cockroaches came out. Now... I doubt that story is true. The the this that was a story that I heard, and when she, the cockroach had a, a cockroach had laid eggs that got stuck to the envelope, and when she licked it and cut her tongue, the eggs went into her tongue and they fed off of the blood and saliva in her mouth till they became full-grown cockroaches. And the pulse—I'm getting grossed out just thinking about it—the pulsating of her tongue where the co- cockroaches crawling over each other. And they cut it out and all the cockroaches came out. Again, I don't know if that's a real story, but that's quite disgusting. And whenever I lick an envelope, which I very rarely do nowadays, I think of that story. But that's enough of cockroaches. Apparently the bee lady is cool. Like they got the bees out. But man, that's pretty disgusting. But I would much rather take bees in my eyes than cockroaches in my mouth. And no, I'm not going to make a dick joke there. I was very tempted to (laughs) halfway through that story. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Now, our next story is kind of weird because it's something that I'm sure has a simple answer. But everyone in the neighborhood is being really tight-lipped about it. We are going to a place called Wappingers Falls, New York. Wappingers Falls. Or, yeah, that's the only way I can pronounce that word. Wappingers? Anyways, we're going there. We're going to a place with the last word falls in New York. The year is 1871. There's a choo-choo train driving along, riding along the rails, and there's a horrible accident. 21 people are killed. Sorry, 22 people are killed. That's why I have notes. And not only that, but the train actually derailed and smashed through a neighborhood. So that was bad, right? That's a bad. That's a bad combination of things. 1877, so only five years later, a massive fire rips through that same neighborhood, and all but two buildings are burned down. A house, and then I think like a bigger house, or a factory, or something like that. But you're like, okay, what does that have to do with anything, Jason? A train crash? Fire? Where are you going with this? Does this story involve a sexy, sexy bride with something swollen in her mouth? And no, unfortunately not. This story involves something equally sexy in a weird way. There's a house... There is a house that lives, That lives. there is a house that is in that neighborhood, known as the John Lawson house. And what makes this house noticeable, or remarkable, is the fact that it is inhabited by only three mannequins. So there's three mannequins dressed up in period clothing, so like older time clothing, they're not wearing juicy couture, you know, they're just kind of wearing like frilly dresses and little sun hats and stuff like that. So you walk by the house and you just see these three mannequins sitting in the kitchen. And you're like, that's kind of bizarre. It's kind of weird. You've never seen anyone else in the house. Now, that would, is just bizarre enough. You're thinking maybe there's a serial killer there. You're thinking all sorts of weirdness stuff. But you're like, three mannequins? Oh, that's fine. But then a couple days later, you walk by the house again. And now you see two of the mannequins sitting on the porch. And one of them inside the living room, looking out of the window. And you go, oh, okay. So it's some sort of joke. Like some guy's moving around mannequins in there, puts them out on the porch, dresses them up in old-timey clothing, you know, whatever. One of them's left out, one of them's inside playing solitaire because she's the lonely one. But then you notice that almost every time you pass by that house, the mannequins are in a different position. When the weather's bad, they are never outside. That's one, one pattern you notice. But a lot of times you'll see them sitting on the porch, sometimes all of them, sometimes just one or two of them. You'll see them inside, and they'll be in poses. It's not like they're just leaning up against stuff. They're dressed in different clothing than the last time you saw them. That's all you know. Now, neighbors have reported that on occasion there is a light on in the kitchen, but the drapes are closed shut. But other than that, nobody knows who lives in the house. Nobody knows who's doing this. There's something creepy about mannequins. It's really bizarre. Like, I remember that Twilight Zone episode where the mannequins come to life, and that was kind of spooky. But that was kind of spooky in, like, a a weird, surreal way because, spoiler alert, the girl didn't know she was a mannequin, and she, like, escaped and lived her life. Like, once a year, one of the mannequins got to spend a day out, but this one mannequin went out and then developed this whole false memory and forgot she was a mannequin. And then one day she goes shopping in the stores and the mannequins adopt her and turn her back into a mannequin. That that kind of creeped me out because it was just kind of a weird story. But the fact that they like look like human and they're, they're not and they just kind of stand in human poses. And the fact that most of the time they're really, really hot. They're really sexy. You very rarely see an unattractive mannequin. I guess the ones that are missing their heads and their arms and their legs are pretty unattractive. But even then they got a little nice little hourglass shape. But generally, mannequins are pretty hot. Now, when I was reading about this story, I, I was, it was kind of bringing me back to that childhood thing. Like, oh man, that would be so spooky to like have mannequins walk around. There's something just creepy about that. But of course, I kept digging, because I'm like, logically, this is impossible. If there was a house that mannequins were walking around in, one of two things would have happened. One, the government would have come in and taken those mannequins and turned them into super soldiers. Or at least found out what sort of phenomenon was happening in this house. Or two, this would be the only story that was ever covered on every paranormal website ever. If it was 100% true that these mannequins could be documented moving around, it would be the first ghost story you ever heard as a kid. So I kept digging, and it turns out that the idea that nobody knows who lives there is a bit of a misleading statement. Because as of August, for a long time that statement was true, but as of now... Since August 2016, the mannequins are gone from the house. And when people started asking, one of the neighbors said, the mannequins were removed out by the person who owned that house. And now they're in another house, but you can't go there and I won't tell you where it's at. So I do know who lived there, but I'm not going to tell you who it was. I'm not going to tell you where they went. I'm just telling you that the mannequins are gone. So that I think still leads us back to our first theory. If these things were real... And I believe there are real paranormal things that kind of fly under the radar. But if I'm able to stumble across it one late night while I'm, you know, just scrolling through stuff, then I'm sure the CIA could find it. But it leads us back to that theory. What if these mannequins were real, and they were being spotted in this area, and they're in this house moving around, and the first thing that happens is the government would come out, because they would investigate anything that was weird. I got a story prepped coming up for uh, next season as well about russia's psychic spies that they just like announced in their newsletter it's a whole thing i really have to dig into that but governments do look into this stuff so if the government came out and found that this was a real phenomenon they stood out there for a few days in a surveillance van they saw you walking back and forth going what my golly, the mannequins are still moving around but they're surveilling the place and they don't see anyone coming in they would go in Examine what was going on, and if there was something paranormal going on, they would simply take the mannequins, and then they could just have like some CIA agent pretending to be a neighbor being like, Oh yeah, I live there, they moved away. Mannequins, everything moved away. And then people would go like, Oh, that's the end of that mystery. While really these mannequins are like being trained in some CIA CIA warehouse to like fight other mannequins, they're to fight other inanimate objects. Are these things real? I It's most likely it was an art installation. Some guy was goofing around. It could have been some weird fetish thing, too. Could be that souls of people who died in that train crash. You're like, yeah, why would you mention all that stuff in the beginning? Could be that souls of people who died in that train crash inhabited those mannequins. The most likely one, obviously, is it's some sort of art thing or sex thing. But if these things are real, they're not just at someone's house that this neighbor won't say where it's at. They're being fully examined by government or non-governmental agencies to find out what makes these things work and how to make more of them. Moral of the story, do not get lost in a Macy's or a Sears ever. Because you don't know which one of those mannequins could actually be a spook in more ways than one. For new listeners of the show, I use the word spook in its meaning as an FBI or CIA spy. I do not mean it as a racial slur. I'm not saying watch out for black mannequins. long longtime listeners of this show, I'm sure, are well aware of the fact that I use the word spook a lot, that it's not a racist slur. Okay, I figured I had to jump in there just in case you're like, my dear, that guy's super racist. He doesn't like black mannequins. I love all mannequins. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to our last story here. The next story is something that I was always intrigued about as a child. I think a lot of people were just because the imagery is so bizarre. And it really tests the limits of what's physically possible. We know they exist in space. But do they exist in Earth? I'm talking about bottomless pits. Now, obviously, I'm talking about black holes in space. But, you know, just a pit that goes on forever would defy all logic, all physics. But it's something that there's just something really, like, enthralling about that idea. So I started looking into bottom, not literally, I wish, I don't know, if I knew a pit was bottomless, if I knew a pit was 100 feet deep, I don't think I'd look into it, like, I don't like looking into the pitch black abyss, especially if it's high, maybe if it's like three foot and I look down and I see Cthulhu, I'd be like, oh, that's kind of cool, but I want to want to look down a giant abyss and see Cthulhu, even though he'd be farther away, I'd be safer. There's quite a few stories about Bottomless Pits. The stories that I found seem to center in America, and two of them are actually quite close to each other. But for our stories, the first two are actually only small entries that were in this book called Weird USA, which we've had some run-ins with before. They're the ones who talked about Spiderweb Gate Cemetery, which was just absolutely just garbage information. So I'm always a little iffy on Weird US books. I'm sure the authors are lovely people. I just had a bad experience with the information from that one. Anyways, first off, let's hop in the Jason Jalopy. We're just, we're not crossing any oceans. We're driving our car. It looks like the Beverly Hillbillies car, but we got those spinning rims on it. So it's like G'd out. We're going to Hannibal, Missouri. Now, down in Hannibal, Missouri, there is a legend... That there used to be this pit, or I'm sure it's still there. It probably doesn't, like, fall in on itself. But there is a pit in Hannibal, Missouri, which no one has found since this happened. But it was this bottomless pit. And animals kept falling into it. So I don't know how stupid the animals are down in Missouri. But anyways, animals kept falling into this pit. And people are like, well, golly, we better find out what's down in that pit. Now, that's a bad idea. There's no time frame for this story. I don't know if it took place in 1997 or 1797 because if it took place any time past the 1970s you just throw a camcorder down there attached to a rope obviously and see what you get but back then whenever this story took place the guy a guy said you know what i'm going to do i'm going to tie a rope around my waist and i'm going to lower myself in Yeehaw! and he goes down into the pit and then at some time later according to the book sometime later his friends show up and they hoist him out and here's the exact quote his hair had turned completely white, and he was wildly insane. Somebody stop me. Like, I mean, it's not that somebody stopped me. That, that part I made up, but the wildly insane, it sounds like something you'd put on like a sixth grader's t-shirt or like a fourth grader's t-shirt, totally tubular and wildly insane. You pull a man out of a pit. How do you differentiate you're like, man, this guy looks insane, and someone else goes, no. No, no, no. He's wildly insane. Obviously, that story's probably not true for a couple reasons. One, there's no time period given for it. The guy who went wildly insane, we don't have his name. Did he lower himself into the pit with his friends not noticing and they just showed up to, you know, drink some brews and watch the game and they see a rope leading into this pit? Was his friend supposed to be there to pull him up? And a short time later, he realized they had went and watched the game without him and totally forgot he was hanging down there. Such a bizarre story. But anyways, he goes wildly insane. Most likely a fake story, but it's a legend in Hannibal, Missouri. Now we're driving, hop back into Jason Jalopy with a wildly insane guy in the back. just, ah, Just going crazy, quoting Deadpool the whole time. We're like, oh my God, this guy's driving me nuts. We drive up to Tacoma, Washington. And there, this time we have a dude's name, but we still don't have a time period for it. And technically we have half a name. His name's Johnson. Now his name, his first name may be John, his last name's son, but probably not. It's probably just Johnson. He finds a hole in his yard. He moves into this house and he doesn't notice the hole at first, but then one day this dog finds this big old hole. It's a hole that's about four feet in diameter. And it's interesting because we're looking at these legends here. Think about the story I just told you about Hannibal, Missouri. That was pretty much all the information that was in the book. That's all the information of in the legend. And now we're moving to this one where you're going to find more concrete stuff. This one, we have the size of the hole. It's four foot in diameter. It has a three foot bricked wall around it. So it almost looks like a giant well or a medium sized well. I don't know how big wells normally are. But there's like a three foot brick wall surrounding it. Which makes it a little suspicious he didn't notice it in the first place. But whatever. And he looks down. It's this huge pit. So he wants to figure out what's down there obviously. And now I don't think he did it on the first day he moved in. But one day he's bored. It's Saturday afternoon. He throws a rope down there. He keeps lowering, nah, he didn't toss the coiled rope down there. He's lowering a rope down there is what I meant to say. And all the rope goes down. And he's holding the end. And this does. he doesn't feel that he's hit the bottom yet. And he's like hmm that's weird. He, th- he throws 40 feet of rope down there, no bottom. Now, that's really probably, to me, 40 feet doesn't sound that long, but I guess going straight down, it probably is. He starts to think it's an abandoned well. And what are you going to do with an abandoned well? He starts throwing old tires into it. Just tossing old tires down there, just because he has to get rid of them anyways. I don't know what this guy was doing for a job. Maybe he was like automotive repairman. Maybe he just really liked tires. I don't know. Eventually, the hole starts to fill up full of tires, which is what will happen when you throw tires in there. At a later time, he starts talking to his neighbors. He's like, you know, hey, yeah, it's a pretty nice area, isn't it? Yeah. He goes, hey, hey, have you you guys know anything? Previous owners never mentioned to me about the big old hole in the backyard, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that hole. They didn't tell you about that? Johnson's like, no, what's going on with that hole? I keep throwing tires in it. And they're like, oh, my God, don't throw tires in it. No, I'm just joking. They didn't say that. (laughs) anyways after they gave him a heart attack they go no no it's throw it's safe to throw tires in there but don't throw marble in it because the previous owners kept throwing chunks of marble in there now i'm assuming that they were some sort of like counter maker i again i don't think they just really really love chunks of marble they kept throwing chunks of marble in there and eventually it filled up and then there was an explosion and it blew out everywhere (laughs) and then they moved away Now, I don't think the two events were connected. But the marble did all shoot out like a shotgun blast and they moved away. Now, at that point, if I was Johnson, I'd be thinking, "Uh uh-oh. I better start getting some of those tires out of there because I don't want a tire explosion. But he doesn't. He just leaves them in there. But what he starts to notice is over time, he has this pile of tires in the pit. And now, like, you can see the top of the tires. They're higher than the pit. Over time, he starts to see the top of the tires slowly go down. And after an indeterminate amount of time, they don't put it in the article, pretty soon he couldn't see the top of the tires anymore. Like the pit was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. It was melting or shrinking or falling into something. And that's all we know. We don't know where he lives. We don't have any other information on the story. If there ever was a tire explosion, we don't know. We don't know what's going on. Interesting story. Again, most likely a local legend, but it's interesting to see the comparison. One has far more details. So it's almost automatically more believable. It's very weird. I read the first one and I was like, well, if I don't know who it is and I don't know when it happened, then it's probably not real. But the second one, I'm still missing some key details like a location and a date. But it's more believable because the character acts in a more believable way. He goes, oh, it's a big pit. I wonder what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to throw garbage in it. Not lower myself into it and go wildly insane. It's just kind of interesting how those two things play out. But when I said Bottomless Pits, when I said I was going to talk about Bottomless Pits, I'm sure a good 30-40% of you go, up. Ah, he's going to Mel's. He's going to Mel's. Not Mel's Diner from Happy Days. That's a dated reference. Do they still even show reruns of that? No, anyone who really investigates Bottomless Pits knows the story of Mel Waters. Mel Waters is a man who made a phone call I don't know why I'm talking like that all of a sudden. Mel Waters is a dude, so back in back in 1997, Mel Waters called up Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell and told this crazy story over the radio and really sparked a renewed interest in the idea of bottomless pits. He is the Elon Musk of the bottomless pits. He is the guy who really like got everyone to think, whoa, this could actually be something. We're going to Ellensburg, Washington. So very, very... I don't know if it's near, actually. It's in the same state as Tacoma. We're still in Washington. I probably should have looked it up on Google Maps. But anyways, we're in Ellensburg, Washington. And you have a man named Mel Waters. And what he did was he found a bottomless pit. He found a big... They can't say that it's bottomless until they started testing it. But he notices this giant pit in his property. It also has like a little bit of a wall. I think his wall was made of metal. Just a small, like, wall... And his first thing is he starts throwing garbage in it, which again is a normal thing. And now you see again the difference. We have dates now. We have a full name and stuff like that. He starts throwing garbage into the pit and starts to get curious about it and can't see how deep it is. He takes a pack of lifesavers, wraps a string around it, lowers it, figuring if it hits water, he'll pull it up and the lifesavers will be dissolved. Nothing. So he's doing these scientific tests. Eventually, he's able to get 80,000 feet A fishing lure, string, fishing string, that's what it's called, right? Fishing line, fishing line. I never, I'm not an outdoors dude at all. Anyways, he's, puts down 80,000 feet of fishing lure, damn it, a fishing line, and doesn't hit bottom, doesn't hit bottom. Now people are going, oh, wait a second, this story's, okay, let me finish, let me finish. He doesn't hit bottom. So now he's like, truly, truly, this is a bottomless pit. He keeps throwing junk in it. Can't figure it out. keeps throwing junk in it. But then he knows these dudes, his friends of his. These friends of his are Basque sheep herders. So, rock on, Basque brothers. His Basque sheep herders are hanging out with him. And he's telling them about this hole. And they said, well, you know, if you really want to test this hole, we got to test for you. So, they take a sheep. This is... Okay, so... Let, before I get into the sheep story, that was a little bit of a teaser, because then it gets really bizarre. Let's talk about the fishing, fishing line. Um, 80,000 feet of fishing line is obviously a lot of fishing line. I mean, that must have cost him quite a lot of money to get that much, unless he's a true scavenger and just like rifling through fishermen's stuff. 80,000 feet is a ton, but, That's what I thought when I read that. I was like, there's no way any human could collect 80,000 feet of fishing line if, unless they worked at a fishing line company and they were like stealing it like Johnny Cash. So that was my logic. But there was a geologist who said there is no, and this is a little more scientifically plausible than my just like, you you can't own it, that's impossible. This geologist said fishing line dropped to 80,000 feet into the earth would melt. It would just melt. Because it's just too hot down there. It's not saying the hot lava is down there. But the temperature 80,000 feet down is way too hot. It's impossible the, the heat of the planet would just burn the string. And also you'd wonder how does he know that it doesn't hit the ground to just start piling up. But let's give him the benefit of the doubt here for a second. Because assuming the hole is actually that deep. At a certain point it's like not into the earth anymore. It's like almost a portal into something else. A... A basically a gateway. It's less a bottomless pit carved into the planet, and more of a really, really deep pit that opens to some sort of abyss, which is actually where the term bottomless pit comes from. So, that aside, the geological pressures and stuff aside, because we're getting into the weird stuff now. He's back. He's hanging out with the Basque sheep herders. They take a sheep and they put it into a crate and they begin lowering it into the bottomless pit. And the whole time, the sheep they hear it getting less and less as they're lowering it down they lower it down about 1500 feet and then all of a sudden they hear it and the the rope starts shaking violently they hear it running around in the crate and screaming and then nothing the lamb goes silent you're pulling this sheep up this lamb slash sheep up to the top of i'm doing this with my hand motion for some reason like i'm pulling a rope they pull it to the top of the pit and the sheep is dead so they do see it's dead and they do a field autopsy on it. They cut it open and it's all of its organs have turned to like this gelatinous tumor. And they're like, oh, that's disgusting. No one's eating lamb chops tonight. And so they pull it out and they see that the tumor's moving. And the one dude goes, I'm gonna cut it open. I'm gonna see what's in that. And the other two guys are like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. And he does, he cuts it open, and what is described as a tumor seal just falls out, still attached with an umbilical cord to something, to the basically the mama tumor inside the sheep. So it's basically, it looks like a seal, but it kind of also looks like a giant tumor, just like a growth, with hauntingly human-like eyes is how it's described. And according to this website that I was reading, it says that the seal, the tumor seal... Looked at the sheep herders in Mel. And the sheep herders looked at the tumor seal. Silently. For two hours. At a certain point someone's going to be like. You guys are seeing that right? Like I would say that after the first 30 seconds. But apparently for two hours everyone just kind of looked at each other. And then after two hours the tumor the tumor seal nodded to the men and jumped into the pit. And they're like what in tarnation was that? And Mel's water's just like I don't know wait. <clears throat> Wait, wait a second. I used to have esophagus cancer, and now it's in remission. He felt the tumors in his own body disappear. going into remission. So, bizarre? Yes. Gets weirder because the tumor seal keeps showing up. After that, he pops back out of the pits. He's like, I'm back, folks. He's doing a little dance like the frog from Warner Brothers. dun Has a little top hat now and a cane. He shows up just all the time starts visiting the sheep herders to be like, what are you guys doing? Can I play rummy? Yeah, I'm really good at this. Here, let me deal. you." And then he's playing with the cards. He can also, well, he can talk to them, but only VM shortwave radio. So he's like down there on a ham radio. His name is Toomey. Hey, it's Toomey coming from the hole. How are you guys doing up there? And they're like, God damn it, dude. Will this guy stop calling me? Hey, Toomey, what's up? He can talk to him via shortwave radio, <laughs> I mean, come on. So we're going to get into how the story evolved in a second. You can talk to them via radio, but unfortunately for us, whenever they tried recording his voice, it just came out as static. But if we were there, we would have been able to understand what Toomey was saying. Eventually, though, people always go, Mel, where's this hole at? Like, seriously, I can get cured of my cancer? I can throw garbage down there? I might even be able to be harassed on various occasions by a talking tumor? And he goes, well, I can't tell you where it's at, because this is kind of the conclusion to the story. The federal government found out about the hole, and they either scared him off their property and took the place over, or they bought it from him, or both. Right now, well, as of really his last communication, Mel said he was living in Australia, On the federal government's dime, they basically paid him off but told him if he didn't take the deal, they were going to find a drug lab on his property. And that place is now owned by the U.S. military, which that pattern does fit other weird locations we found when I did that Death Valley episode. All these weird underground spots are all now owned by the government, and they're totally off limits to civilians. But it's a very convenient answer as well. So let's start getting into the nitty-gritty here. We're running a little long, but let's get into the nitty-gritty here because I just can't leave you with that. There's never been anyone... Reco- uh, something that a lot of skeptics go is they say, Mel Waters never existed. There's no record that he lived in that area. However, he could be using a fake name. I'm not going to totally hang my hat on the fact like, well, there wasn't a guy named Mel Waters up there? Then the whole story's fake. Like, I'm not going to hang... I think there's other stuff that proves that the story's kind of ridiculous other than that. Using a fake name is not... Musicians use fake names. Like, that's just kind of a normal thing. There's other interesting th- things that are about this. One, there used to be a file on all the Mel Water stories at a local library. That file's gone, and people have pointed to that being some sort of conspiracy, although other people could say it could just been a patron who took that. People are still looking for Mel's hole today. I don't know if Mel is still alive. And if it's a fake name, we never really would know if he was alive. People believe they've narrowed down kind of the area where the hole could be, but since they don't know who the person was who really made the phone call to Art Bell or owned the property or anything like that, they can't look through property records. So people are still looking for this hole. And everyone else is saying, you guys are idiots because it doesn't exist, it's physically impossible. And I think they're half right. A bottomless hole cannot exist that goes all the way through the earth. Just the pressure of the earth would collapse a hole at any given point. So what you can have, though, which is going to get you know paranormal here, you could have a deep hole, or really anything that enters into some other realm. So it doesn't even have to be a bottomless pit. You could look at the pit, and it could only be three feet deep. But when you throw a penny in there, you just see the penny disappear into the ground. Obviously, science disagrees with me on that. But I mean, when we're looking at the paranormal and the supernatural, that's possible. You could come home from work today, walk through your bedroom door, and end up in Ravendale, some magical forest full of pixies and a dark overlord trying to take stuff over. In a supernatural world, it's incredibly, infinitesimally small chance it would ever happen, but in a world where you believe in the paranormal and supernatural, it's possible. So make sure that you're really good with your bow and arrow skills before you go home. But. If you were able to have a static place. You could have these weird time slips and portals moving around. But if there was actually a hole. That you were able to go into. And enter into this other realm. And that's why it seems bottomless. There's some other fantasy realm. That is just full of couches. Broken down TV sets. And tires. And they're like. Why God. Why are you punishing us? As another tire comes rolling. Crushing their village. But. I think that's the really the only workable way you could have a bottomless pit as described in these stories. Because really, that's only the interesting way. If someone goes, I found a bottomless pit, and you're like, really? And they're like, look, I can look all the way through the planet Earth. You'd be like, eh, that's kind of cool. But that's not necessarily interesting. I, I want a bottomless pit that leads somewhere, not just a pit that just goes to the molten core of the planet. Big whoop. Blah. Like, that's to me is just a big old hole in the ground. I would want a bottomless pit that was truly bottomless, like you could throw stuff in forever and it would never fill up, and then that's a paranormal thing. Otherwise, you're just throwing couches through and they're getting melted in hot lava, and that's really not bottomless. The bottomless part, the bottom part is just the other side of the planet. So if we take that scenario, it took a long time to get to this point, but this is my point. If we take that scenario, that could be moved. That could be moved. If you, if you were able to identify that here is a hole, And in this hole is a static gateway to another realm. We can either do one of two things. We can put a government or a military presence on this hole. And it would be super bizarre because we're in this little part of Washington. All of a sudden, this military base springs up out of nowhere. And maybe there was one there for a time. But it seems like the first thing they would want to do is, can we move it? Can we move this hole? We want to put it somewhere else. If we dig this hole up, Will the unusual qualities remain? And scientists are like, I don't know. You got eighty thousand feet of fishing line, and they're like, Yeah, it's over there. You figure out how deep the actual Earth pit is and where it opens up into something else. And the thing is, is you could say, well, we could dig it up and it could retain its properties, or we could dig it up and then it's just a bunch of dirt. Is it the risk versus the reward? And if this agency or this government says it is. It's absolutely where we don't want it here. We want to be able to access this on a regular basis without bringing trucks in. Let's move it. So, going on that thought, Mel's Hole, I believe, if it's real at all, which I'm highly doubtful of, but if it's real at all, it isn't there anymore. They would have found it by now. People have said that they've seen it before. The story, actually, I forgot to mention, the stories of this bottomless pit existed before the phone call that Mel made. And some people go, no, it was just a really, really deep pit. It wasn't really bottomless. But whether or not it's like this portal where you can throw sheep down and then talking tumors pop out, I don't know. People have said that dogs have come back to life being thrown in there. People have said black beams have shot out of there, or radios will play really old music when you walk by, which I think they just have the oldie station on. But there's lots of other weird phenomenon. So it would be something that the military or a government agency or a... Secret society would want control of. But not there. They'd want to move it. There could be a place. Outside of the view of. Us. Of normal people. That all of these items. All of these things. Are stored. And you go isn't that the plot of like Indiana Jones. Isn't that the plot of that show Warehouse 13. Predictive programming maybe. Predictive programming? No, I think, I honestly believe that if any of this stuff is real, if any of this stuff is provable, whether it's walking mannequins or bottomless pits, somebody wants to own and contain those and study them, and more importantly, use them. Because why not? The one thing we forget a lot of times is that governments and secret societies and secret agencies. And mad scientists are people. They're us. They are us. They just have more access to the paths of power or money or technology. But they're us. If you found a bottomless pit, you would start throwing junk into it. If the Illuminati had access to a pit, they're going to start throwing junk into it. It's just human curiosity to want to do these things. But after you got tired, after you got bored of throwing your eighth television set down there and never hearing it smash, you're going to think, if I can throw stuff down there, can stuff from down there come up? But see, that's where we differ from these other groups. We can just think about it, or lower a sheep down 1,500 feet. If you are a governmental agency or a secret society... You have the resources to find out 100% what's on the other side of that portal. You have the power to 100% find out what's on the other side of that portal. The question is, what will they bring back up? deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be your email address you can also hit me up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio twitter is at jason o carpenter Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast 200th episode guys 200th episode 200th can you say that right this episode is going to run long it's the 200th episode i did a lot of talking but Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast you don't have to listen to it every day but i'm glad you listened to it today have a great one guys